Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians, your daily Cleveland Guardians podcast. You might notice if you're watching this, that it looks a little different. Uh, I do have my new co-host, Justin Lada, is joining us. It's kind of a funny story before we get into the show today. I do want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever you get podcasts. Uh, people have been like, you know, it's a lot nicer when you have someone to talk to. And I'm like, I agree. And we started kind of this process of trying to find a co-host. It's very fancy now. Like a year ago, I was just like, hey, what about Pat? And they're like, okay. But it was the humor of this one was they were looking at who would be good. And then they reached out to Justin, not realizing he and I have known each other for a decade now, worked together, uh, been friends for a decade, I would say. Uh, maybe I'm being presumptuous there. But uh, you know, someone I really respect and get along great with. And I was like, guys, if you just let me know, I could have put in the good word from the beginning, but, uh, I think Justin was already had the most guest appearances of anyone who was not an official host at one point in time. So first, if you hadn't figured it out, we do have a new co-host. That is why things will look a little bit different. We're figuring out how to work some things. And by we, uh, me and Justin, just in terms of some of the tech stuff, but you're not here for the tech. You're not here for the background. You're not here for the intro video. You're here for information on the Cleveland Guardians and the addition of Justin means you're going to get a lot more of great information. Justin, thank you for joining us. Uh, and thank now everyone can know the official co-host of Lockdown Guardians. Yeah, it's great to be here. You're right. Not, not presumptuous at all. We've been friends for 10 years. We've been peers, friends, colleagues, and uh, it's kind of funny. I was thinking about it, how, how far we go back and um, how we always usually agree with each other. We always talk about how <laughs> for whatever reason we, we agree on player philosophy and roster building and all these other things. And I'm like, wow, I wonder how boring we're going to be if, uh, <laughs> if we're agreeing on everything, but I think we'll be good. This is exciting. And uh, I've always respected the things you do for a long time, especially with the draft, nobody better than I've learned from uh, on the draft than you and, and uh, respect what you've built with this podcast over the last uh, several couple of years now, 800 plus episodes. And uh, like I said, I'm just here not to screw it up. No, it's like I said, it, it, it couldn't find a better co-host. Um, you know, the whole point of this is we, you know, we, we disagree on some things. Um, Will Smith movies. I, I believe we had uh, our drag down about that in the past. Not to say uh, I just like Will Smith, but I definitely you were the bigger fan. But I think that was probably our biggest disagreement ever on Twitter outside of me occasionally taunting you with showcasing, which if anyone listened to Friday's episode, Justin got the reference. I don't know if anyone else did. Uh, it's more of like, I pretend like showcasing is a thing just to annoy Justin, because that used to be the thing that annoyed me the most in the world. This idea that, that, uh, teams would showcase a guy, not that, you know, the teams would ignore, uh, months and months of data. Uh, for instance, we could say it's a shame the Cleveland guardians cut Brian Shaw. They just spent a whole year showcasing him for other teams. They had that $4 million option. Uh, they're going to pay him over $4 million. I believe this year with his buyout, with his everything else. I, I think we have to start here just because I know like you and I, we have discussions and, you know, we, we DM about what's happening and there's been points where you talked about like, they're backed in this corner of this 40 man. There's like no one they could cut. And you and I literally had a discussion like, yeah, it's Shaw, but they're never going to do that. A and then they did that. <laughs> were you kind of like, no way. Like, you know, I had, I was like, you know, no bleeping way if I'm honest, because it just, it blew my mind. I never thought, but it, from my perspective, it is interesting with the call up of Brennan before this. And now my co my old co-host is apparently upset that he has been uh, replaced. He's still here. He will still come on the show. But with Brennan and with Naylor, two of Tito's favorites got let go and Clement and Shaw. So 
you know, not necessarily looking any deeper on that. I think they were just the obvious cuts, honestly. But yeah, what were your thoughts when you sat there and saw Brian Shaw is no more? And and we're not going to, if you're a fan of his, we're also going to take some time to praise him because honestly, he's been one of this team's top 10 relievers in the last 50 years. So that's going to come up as well. Segment one here, we're going to focus in on, on some Brian Shaw, both the good and the bad. Yeah, my, my jaw hit the floor and I saw it and I was out out to lunch and uh, unfortunately my grandmother had just passed away and um, I like shrieked or gasped, whatever you want to say it. And, and my fiance thought like something terrible had happened and I was just so stunned that it was Brian Shaw. I could not collect my breath. Like that was the one move I didn't expect. I think I had been saying for at least a week it was going to be Kirk McCarty when when people were talking about Bo Naylor was going to be up and at least be in the clubhouse with the possible chance of being activated and on the 40 I thought okay that's got to be Kirk McCarty um, did not think in a million years they would move on I, I wasn't 100% sure that Brian Shaw would be on the postseason roster but didn't think they'd remove him from the 40-man roster and DFA him at this point so that was the stunner of all there's been a lot of stunning things this season but that has to be number one right yeah I mean the only th- at first I was like well are they trying to avoid Tito overplaying him and him getting another $250,000 but I, I think he's at like exactly 60 now. So like he, he would have had to appear in every single game down the stretch, which I mean, I wouldn't put past Tito, but yeah, it was, we all knew this was the right move. Like no matter what, this was hundred percent, the right move. You know, Kirk just being a lefty gives him more value and he's been the better pitcher over the last month. If we are being honest, like between the two, he is I'm not saying he's been grand about saying he's definitely someone with the future with the team, but this was 100% the right move. What kind of, struck me as odd about it and I'd be curious to hear your take with both Brennan and Naylor it's like why didn't this happen earlier why did they wait so long to make these moves you'd think you'd want to see them against big league players to kind of get a better understanding if they're going to be able to get out there and be successful or if it might be more of a struggle because I mean we've seen so many young players debut and we've seen so many young players in the 10 years we've been you know journalists not everyone hits the ground running not everyone is it great from the start i mean naylor could be overwhelmed uh very easily is it odd for me it seemed odd what was your kind of take on this like there's less than 10 games left and less than like barely over 10 games left for brennan the naylor one struck me as more odd for sure i i didn't think either of them had a chance of seeing the roster in september i thought if anybody did it actually would be naylor just because teams mostly do call up a third catcher in september and they needed one but obviously it says a lot. They decided to go with Naylor who was not on the 40 over La Vestita. but yeah, I, I didn't expect them to be here. I really have nothing to go on in terms of why they weren't here sooner. I mean, for Will Brennan, it's really just playing time. Like, you know, they, they suffered through the month of August with Miles straw not hitting. And for him to turn it back on in September, then they decided, I don't know. Maybe they thought that if they were calling up Brennan and straw was struggling, would they replace Straws at bats with Brennan. Maybe that puts too much pressure on Brennan to replace a guy they just signed a five-year contract and was the leadoff hitter up until you know June or May whenever Stephen Kwan replaced him. Maybe that would have put too much pressure on Will Brennan. I don't know if they didn't want to risk the at bats before September first, and they didn't have extra space. The Naylor thing, I, I really don't know. I mean, I would think that you would have wanted him from day one in September just to soak everything up if if you're eventual goal was for him to be on the 40 and and be ready for the postseason to be a third catcher do you think with brennan any degree of it is like oscar gonzalez he's been fantastic but defensively he seems to have been kind of getting 
I would argue worse month by month in the big leagues. The the metrics have definitely liked him less and less. Do you think there's any degree of like Benson? We gave really spotty opportunities to he didn't jump out. Nolan Jones is not a strong defender. That with this team and specifically with the pitching staff being built to be fly ball guys, is there any thought that like, okay, we're gonna run, we're gonna run Brennan, Quan, and Straw, and every fly ball is gonna die in this outfield? I mean, I, w- I would think Brennan probably forced their hand offensively first anyway, because, you know, like I said, they could have made the easy decision to call up, like you said, Nolan Jones, anybody on the 40-man roster, George Valera, right? They could have called up any of those guys without having to make a 40-man move, and that was Ernie Clement. So that's another guy they they really valued in the clubhouse and, and his um, small role in the team. But instead, they decided to make the hard decision and, and move on from him for Brennan, and then again for Shaw for for Naylor, but yeah, probably defensively for sure. I mean, I know you have felt the same as me over the years, about Oscar Gonzalez and how surprised we've been this season by him defensively. This is to be kind about what I expected yeah. from him. I'm, you know, the, the arm has always been good and, and doesn't move the best laterally. Um, He's got so good yeah, speed I think, overall, but he just doesn't see. Yeah. As you said, laterally, it's not there. And then he just, just never seemed, you know, I, I always talk like, it felt like Greg Allen always made the right, uh, always got the right read. It feels like Oscar Gonzalez never gets the right read uh, for whatever. He's not an instinctual player. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I, I get concerned with how he like plays balls off the wall and the angles he takes to that kind of stuff. So for sure, defensively, this is probably the best defensive outfield they can put together out of anybody in the organization right now. Yeah, no, it's, and you know, I will be the first to admit it's like, I've been up and down on Brennan this year. And part of it is no fault of his own. Uh, part of it was just seeing guys like Palacios, um, you know, distinctly Palacios and kind of some other players like him uh, who performed really well at the minors in terms of hit rate come up and struggle. I did not expect Brennan. I mean, he has been fantastic. He has been like, uh, you know, we'll see. It's obviously it's been a very small sample size. We'll see about maintaining. But have you been I know he's been utterly, you know, no level has slowed him down. Uh, throughout this year, but have you been at least a, even a small bit surprised in spite of what he's done this year that he just got to the majors and has been treating it like just the next rung on a ladder? Definitely surprised he he got here this season. I I don't know. This is this is such a, a deviation from how the organization usually operates, right? So I guess if there was any year to do all this stuff, it was this year, and I guess maybe we should have seen it coming by September that this is how they've been doing it this year, but. The only thing I'm surprised about with Brendan is how aggressive he's been. I think he worked a walk. What was it yesterday or today uh, on Sunday, but he, he has had a lack of walks. He's been a little more patient hitter in the minors and, you know, guys tend to be over aggressive early on, unless you're Steven Kwan, who is just, you know, ridiculous when it comes to plate discipline and everything. But Brendan's been maybe a little more aggressive than I thought at the plate swinging, but he's been, you know, doing exactly what he did in the minors. I'm not surprised by that really. Yeah. It's, you know, speak, you know, going back to our original point with uh, Will Smith, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, the movie I Robot applied to Stephen Kwan. Like just it's the in the best possible way. It's like his ability to just repeat everything, the calmness, just the very, very focused nature. If you were to say, like, which player on this Guardians team is most likely to be like a Cylon, if we want to go really nerdy with it or just say a robot, uh, I would I would go for Kwan. Uh, just a, again, definitely not something I prepped Justin for any of that. They're just throwing some things in there uh, for my fellow nerdy listeners. 
actually, we should take our first break here. Uh, we're going to come back after that. Talk maybe a little 40 man. I know some people love the prospect talk. Some people don't, but it is interesting how the 40 man was going to be a big issue and maybe it's not going to be. We're also going to talk about um, who could be on the postseason roster specifically as it uh, Brennan and Naylor. And then we will get into this weekend's games in segment three. But first, we're going to take that break from our sponsor. And today's sponsor is, listen, you're not supposed to have favorites when it comes to children or sponsors. I don't have favorites when it comes to children, but with sponsors, I do. And if you are listening, you know, that means it is Built Bar. And let me tell you, Justin, make sure that they have your information so you can get your free Built Bars. I don't like protein bars. I like Built Bars. Uh, I order them myself. I personally, they we have the whole ad read here. I want to recommend, I am quite enjoying, I went and bought the, they have a special BYU deal. They're set in Utah. The Cougar Tail Puff, it does taste kind of like that maple flavor on a maple donut, yet it is still 17 grams of protein, six grams of sugar, and 150 calories. And it's a puff inside, which means it's marshmallow based. <laughs> if you're like, how can that work? I don't know, but it's delicious. It's tasty. Uh, right now they have the mud pie, the German chocolate cake, and the mud pie puff. They do chocolate so well. They do peanut butter so well. Listen, Built Bar has you covered. I've been eating these things for three years now. I get tired of everything. I don't get tired of Bilt Bar because they're always shaking it up. They're always adding new flavors, new things to try. Like I said, I just bought three boxes recently to do granolas, which I love, along with the two cougar tails. If this seems interesting to you, then go use the promo code LOCKED15. That's the code I honestly use with my orders because... Uh, I want to save 15% and it's the best amount you will save. It is the best tasting protein bar on the market. I have tried various ones. I am someone who is allergic to gluten. So I go out and have to try. Most of those are awful. Uh, I won't talk about competitors by name, but it feels like my jaw is going to fall off. That is not the case. All of these are chewy, delicious, and great. I love Bilt Bar. You can tell I went long in the ad read. That's how much I love this. And again, Justin, hopefully they'll get your information quickly. Uh, so you can get some, unlike our friend uh, Pete unlocked on Marlins who lives in England, so he doesn't get to try them. But uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that is our sponsor. Go check them out again. That is BuiltBar.com promo code locked fifteen. Okay, there is my okay. So you know we're back from break. So listen, we all knew last year's forty man was going to be a disaster from the start. Um, we all kind of looked at it and goes, oh, this will be interesting, but. Some players will underperform. Some players will overperform. It'll work out. And then like nobody underperformed in 2021 and they added 12 players. And as I always like to point out, they added 12 players. One of them was not Oscar Gonzalez, who they went and added later, who would have been real. I mean, he could have walked as a minor league free agent. This year, it looked like it would be just as bad, but then they kind of added everyone through the course of the year. Right now, with the way the roster is set up is... You know, the big debates, and there are many, but Angel Martinez, Angel Martinez, I you know probably should have let you lead off so I actually would have the correct pronunciation, but Martinez is the only must add left, right? Or do you think Cantillo, Hankins, uh, Mikolo Jock, uh, again, maybe I'll let you uh, handle pronunciations from now on and then I'll just try to listen, but, you know, are any of these guys musts or is it just Martinez going forward? I, I think it's Martinez. Actually, I think Cantillo would have gone last year in the Rule 5 draft as well. Yeah. 
So they're lucky to still have him. I don't know how they play that with him with the shoulder injury, because really with uh, pitchers who are injured, that makes them more enticing to trap. So that's going to be harder for him. And then you got like, you know, Lenny Torres, who probably won't be considered as well, but yeah, it's him. And then I don't know. The guys on the fringes are like Jonathan Rodriguez, who had a great Mm -hmm. year offensively, but I struggle probably with him the same way I struggled with Oscar Gonzalez evaluation wise. And then Mike Caprice is a guy I, I feel like someone should take a shot on. I don't think Cleveland has the room to add him, but I like the kind of season he had. And then you got a bunch of relievers, like you said, Nick Nikolajek, and then Miziasek, right? He's a, he's the lefty or, or no, is he not a lefty? Yeah. Miziasek's lefty. He had a yeah, good okay. year. And I know he's got like a, a funky sort of fastball that people like Tim Heron's the other guy for me, Tim Heron, yeah. probably a lot of guys don't know. Like he's up to 98 with, a, with the fastball and got a good slider and, misses a ton of bats that that to me is a guy that is probably going to be popping the rule five draft because not not unlike Stefan he's just a giant dude who throws hard and has control issues and then like I mean Nick Enright might be the top performer of the group his stuff may not be quite as eye-popping but he's just in uh, and that's the thing relievers get taken Cantillo is the guy where I'm like uh you know the interesting thing is he hasn't pitched but it's like he led all of double a before he was hurt I believe all of the upper minors in hard lowest hard hit percentage so I, I don't know if you find a spot. It's, you know, Kirk McCarty, they already lost him once. I think he's a bit fun, fungible. Hedges will be a free agent. That lives them two potential spots. You know, if they let, decide that they're not going to keep Maley three, it, I'll be curious to see. Do you think if they lose someone, do you think it ends up being one of the relievers? Do you think it ends up being, uh, you know, someone like Cantillo or Hankins? Do you think it is like a Miziazic? who I saw like fan graphs listed under their must add this past year with him or Heron, or how do you think it ends up falling with that grouping? I, for me, it's Cantillo. You have to protect. I mean, I know they've got a bunch of other pitching prospects. Relievers are interesting, but look, this is already a young bullpen. You've got Sam mm-hmm. Hanches, who's young, Trevor Steffen's young, Karen check and class a are young. You still have, I guess Anthony goes at TJ, but I mean, this bullpen still has a ton of young guys on it. I don't really see, how are you? I mean, they, you always need to have arms on the four. You can call up and down. That's going to be an issue for them. But look, the oldest reliever in that bullpen now that Brian Shaw is gone is James Karinchak at 27 years old. If you want to count Kirk McCarty, um, they're the same age. Or if you want to, you know, count Anthony goes, who I'm assuming will probably be non-tender in the offseason yeah. while they figure that out. But there's nobody else on the 40 as far as relievers are concerned. Everybody else in the minors on the 40 is is a, uh, a starting pitcher. Maybe they move some of those guys. I guess maybe we could consider Carlos Vargas a reliever now, but hmm. I just don't see how you make room to add more relievers when you already have a ton of young bullpen arms. So how about this? Do you think there's a team in baseball that would trade Kirk McCarty for Joey Cantillo? Uh, that's a great question. No, Do you, no, that's kind of my view as well. Like they're, Yes, Cantillo has the health issues. And as you point out, like we can go back to health issues, making it easier to stash a guy as recently as Anthony Santander. Like that was the case. Like everyone thought he would pass through waivers. This is my, I can pat myself on the back. Some people uh, don't like it when I brag about things in the past. I'm always willing to call myself on the miss. But I was like, I think Santander gets taken. I think he's you know one of the most interesting prospects in the system. And at the time we thought, oh, maybe the injury makes it less likely. Well, it probably actually made it more likely. And uh, look what he has done for Baltimore this year. Uh, again, with Cleveland already kind of having had a DH to start the year, it would have been an awkward fit, even if he had remained here. But I think 
yeah, Cantillo is about as close, I feel like, to a must-add. It is – Bo Naylor has been great. It is a little dispiriting to look at that graph, graph class – no, draft class, and look, they had those three first-rounders, and Hankins and Torres have both need surgery. Torres was – you know, he was a down-the-line developmental project to begin with, and it's – I would be shocked if he gets selected, if I'm being honest – but Hankins was, you know, he was spoke about in those same breaths as Kumar Rocker at the time. And it's, it is interesting because that was that stretch where they went with high ceiling pitchers kind of early. They took all of those prep arms, you know, Brady Aiken, Tristan McKenzie, Juan Hillman, Ethan Hankins, Lenny Torres. I know I'm probably forgetting a few other guys and outside of McKenzie, there's not much, I mean, this team is clearly done a much has been much more successful with college arms than prep arms at development. Is that a, am I making a crazy statement or does that seem to bear true? No, we've gone back and forth a lot of times. Tristan McKenzie is their only developmental win uh, a high school. I don't know. Do you, do you consider Brady Aiken a high school player though, where they drafted him? I, he never pitched at IMG and he was at IMG, which is like where to me, I still consider him a high school player. Like he would have been maybe a Juco, but like that was, and I mean, that whole situation, we all learned a lot from it. Uh, but because that was the funny thing at the time, like Cleveland had not drafted a prep pitcher in the first round since like 2001 at that point in time. It had been such a, and if you counted Aiken, that was, that's the, the guy who got him off that streak. But boy, that was, you know, the medicals, it's, it's just, that is, that's one of the, maybe the weirdest first round pick we've been covering this team. They haven't had a lot of, like most guys they've drafted have been logical. This isn't a team where they've taken a lot of guys. that's like, Whoa, I'm shocked. That guy wasn't even on a first round. I don't think they have anyone who was not at least talked about as a first or second rounder. Aiken though, it's just that health issue was, was interesting, but yeah, it's the 40 man's kind of figured itself out. What about, um, I mean, I don't think he gets taken, but I do want to point out, like I thought, Gabriel Rodriguez, who's hurt right now, just had was it knee elbow surgery? Was it wasn't it a joint? I thought it was like shoulder, shoulder, maybe shoulder. It was was some joint, but he was a a big money guy for this team. I don't think he gets taken, but it was nice to see him finally seem to put it together this year. So just take a moment to. We didn't talk about we talked about so many other guys, but uh, I, I agree. Tim Heron stands a very good chance of being taken. I could see a team like the Astros liking Mizzy Ozick just because it's weird and different and they seem to like weird and different. Um, but let's take our next break here. We're going to come back in and uh, talk about the weekend games. So make sure to come back around to hear us discuss another getting to win number 90 on today's Locked On Guardians. And we're back. If you're watching the video, you got to see me sit here and count as my head bobbed. Uh, it's the joy between the difference of video and audio. Uh, for people listening to the video, we're getting very close to 700 subscribers. Now that Justin's here, let's get us up over that 1K mark. Let's help out the uh, both of us here. You know, we're both struggling journalists, so make sure to go subscribe on YouTube to Locked On Guardians. Now that I've stated that, let's, where do you want to start with this weekend? Do you want to, should we, before we get into the weekend, you know, you had talked about briefly and we had our back and forth. Do you want to talk a little bit about the bullpen management, um, some concerns or anything that you were thinking with that while I um, pull a few bits of data up? Yeah. I mean, if you really want to start with Sunday, I, 
I think you would have hoped they could have gotten two days off for Class A and Karen check, and then things kind of went awry there on Sunday, especially when they had a, a five-run lead. Um, Stefan, the last couple times out, just hasn't had control of that splitter. And I know Frank Kona said after the game, you know, it's cold, it, it was a little bit wet, and the wind has been weird. So hopefully they make an adjustment there. But um, going back to that Twins marathon game, I mean, I know Owen Miller made that error that kind of let things, the door open in that game, but that 15 inning game, I think it was after the air. I think he hit a batter and he walked somebody else. I mean, I've just been a little bit sh- concerned about the lack of control of that splitter for him. Cause you need him in the postseason to be as good as he was. And um was really hoping they could send Emmanuel Classe to like Cabo for a week and then bring him back on Sunday and all right, he's back. He can use him again, but uh, he got used again, but he was pretty efficient on Sunday, but um you know, Karen Jack and Stefan, you'd like to see them have a few better outings heading into Friday. Do you, do you even really need to throw class a in this game? Like what's the point? Like, is there any, like if they lose the last four games, does it change anything? Like is, is overusing your relievers bring you any value at all? I mean, unless you believe in keeping things. And I, I think this has been important for them with, with how early they clinched, which was a surprise to everybody. Sure. But keeping the foot on the gas and keeping guys in the roles, keeping them on normal routines, I suppose. So nothing changes. That's about the only thing is maybe the routine of things like, okay, we're, we're up two runs. Let's, let's bring in Emmanuel Classe. Let's get him. He did have Saturday night off because they um, lost, but yeah, I, I yeah. more, more days off would be good for him. It's just, you know, it's interesting to look at someone like Trevor Stefan. Now, yeah, Ray is not great for relievers, but just, you know, over the course of a year, it's interesting when, since that September game against the Twins, you've talked about, like, his ERA is up over half a run, which is a significant jump during that time. The the splitter, I feel like, just hasn't been there at all for him. It was interesting watching, like, the Royals broadcast um, on Friday night, I believe it was, or maybe it was another broadcast um, earlier in the week when they're – no, it was Tampa's broadcast – where they were like, why is he even throwing it? Like the slider is such an effective weapon right now. That slider was his uh, top weapon going back to college. Um, not to say the split finger hasn't been fantastic. It's really helped elevate him this year. But if it's not working, is, you know, yes, now is definitely the time to try to get it to work. Because again, these games don't really matter. But do you think he could still be effective if he gets reduced down to fastball slider? Or does that just officially make him like on par with Sandland? Uh, instead of maybe a step above. I mean, I remember Austin Hedges saying earlier in the year in an interview that his slider was just as good as his splitter, but I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. Did he break out the season because of the addition of the splitter? Would he have been as good without the slider? I mean, if you look at the splits too with him to see if that's been a better, better for him against lefties, but no, I, I think in today's game, unless you're Emmanuel Classe, you need uh, three pitches and, I don't know if he breaks out without the addition of that splitter. It all came around at the same time, but yeah, I definitely feel like I, I'm personally more nervous watching Trevor Steffen when he can't locate the splitter for a strike, especially, you know, against good teams. If you eliminate one, one guy's pitch, that makes a big difference. Yeah. And, you know, I, I meant to talk about in segment two. I want to talk about it now before we run out of time on the show. So we have Naylor, we have Brennan, Right. And like I said, again, this is me going back because I promise you talked about it. I forgot. We know one player can be added because Ghost is on the 60-day disabled list. And eventually the year will end and he'll be designated for assignment. And maybe he signs a minor league contract. 
the interesting thing, and I didn't know this was possible until Zach Meisel, Meisel, again, pronunciation, not my strength, uh, said that they just need one guy who's in, on the 40 man to be like, my knee, it won't work. And they can then essentially put both Naylor and Brennan on this roster. And it just, any, they need any doctor who will sign off on it. Like, yeah, his knee is messed up or, you know, he has a tired arm, which again, cause I mean, that's like, you can say Carlos Vargas has a tired arm and move on because he's come back from uh, Tommy John this year. He's worked as a reliever. I'm, I should check and see when the last time was he actually pitched, but that might be the guy where they're like, he's got and Cause t- I don't think tired arm is like an official diagnosis anywhere. So I think you can claim that, but yeah, I think it's one of those things I would, I didn't know you could get into the nitty gritty with that. Did you know that, that it could be just like some guy in AAA who's like, I can't play. Yeah. I, people have been doing this forever. And I always laugh at people who are like, Oh, is he postseason ultra? I'm like, if he was in the organization before September 1st, he's going to be eligible. Like teams, I think it's like one of those worst kept secrets. Like the rule just, I don't know. It's so easy to circumvent. I guess I I'd somehow missed out because I guess following the gardens, we haven't had that many situations with it. So I didn't realize just how easy the circumvent it is. Do you think, I think Brennan for sure makes this postseason roster right now. Uh, there's like no one to block him. Do you think Naylor can potentially make it? Or do you think this was more of like a, because one of the other things that I thought of when this whole calling up for Brendan and Naylor was Zach also had that piece where he talked about that, like Antonetti went down to AAA to talk with some of the young guys to explain why they weren't being called up to kind of make them feel better. And in some part of me, like everyone's like, listen, he was only added because you're putting him on the postseason roster. And I'm like, this could also be like, no, we made a promise to him that once the season was set and in place that he, everyone would get an opportunity this year. So I also wonder if it could be that, if this is just, living up to a promise or a word from when Antonetti went down there and talked to all these prospects. Yeah. I, I don't think he, I don't think they made the move to move on to Brian Shaw without considering this as a long-term thing. I think yeah. Bo Naylor will be there and, and you're right with Vargas too. I think Vargas is the one guy in the 40, the minors that has no chance of being called up uh, in the postseason. I don't think it'll be hard to explain something why he can't participate. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we don't get a chance to really go, whole hog on these games this week but like we've talked about they're not that important of games i think the bigger thing here is 90 wins for a team that the over under you know if i go quarter good friends at bet online throw that out there for free uh, i was like 74 and i'm kicking myself because i said this is an 80 win team and i just didn't go out and make myself some free money but to get to 90 uh everyone doubted them so much and then you you go look the tiger the Tigers and the Royals are going to be probably picking top six again. The Twins and White Sox are both under 500. And you might want to bag on the Guardians. It's like those teams were good until recently. This team, if you just get focused on how bad the Central is, you miss, like, this is a good team. I'm not not saying they're going to win it all, but I'm also not like, oh, they're just going to die in the playoffs because they came from the Central. I think they earned it. I think the the only reason the Twins and the White Sox faded is because Cleveland, you know, kicked them to the curb so quickly, and they lost all hope at that point. So at least Cleveland went out. If Cleveland had won like eighty four games and won the division, I think you could make that argument. But they're going to win ninety, you know, more than ninety games probably. I'm sure. Yeah. I think it's they would have been wild card contenders otherwise. Hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. It's you know, elite defense, elite base running, both those in the top three to five teams in baseball. Uh, a one, two, three pitching staff that is phenomenal. And, you know, the four, five, it, 
the fact of the matter is everyone gets up the when they lost the back of this rotation and stayed alive i think speaks to a lot tomorrow we're gonna get into some postseason roster ideas discuss that we'll get into these games a little bit more give will brennan some due he was definitely one of the three stars for this weekend uh but uh we're gonna close it off here i want to thank justin for joining me being the new co-host uh justin where can they find you on twitter jail underscore baseball but fair warning i tweet a lot so you can find me (laughs) at jeff mlb draft and as i end every show and i'm just going to keep ending him this way because i can't help but to go go guardians go